I'm Alex Bloomberg, and you're listening to Startup, the podcast miniseries. Support for Serial comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. With Rocket Mortgage... I'm Nicole Tomalin, and you're listening to CypherCast. The Hamish and Andy Show podcast. Hands off Friday, everybody! A common and undeniable truth about content marketing is that history continues to repeat itself. It's a thread we weave throughout this podcast because time after time, we shine light on the basic fact that this game is nothing new. Brands, in fact, have been sponsoring content and creating stories for hundreds of years. And what's fascinating is that now, with more noise than ever before, the format that once seemed obsolete, and that's audio, isn't just making a comeback, but it's dominating. Podcasting, first known as quote-unquote audio blogging, has its roots dating back to the 80s, but now, with the average listener consuming between four and five shows a week, brands are seeking to integrate themselves into what remains the only content that we can consume while doing something else, and that means that the likes of Netflix, Sports Illustrated, and GE are essentially booking 20, 30, 60-minute appointments with their audience every week. Now, those are numbers and engagement that most marketers would die for, but with 325,000 shows available, podcasters can't afford to be mediocre. So how do you get started in podcasting? And once you're up and running, what do you need to do to build and keep an audience? Well, turn up the volume because over the next 20 minutes, we're going to hit the airwaves. My name's Rakal Everly. I'm the founder and CEO at Newsmodo. Please, if you're not listening to this podcast on iTunes, jump across, subscribe, and leave a rating and review. Now, our guest on today's show is a leading authority in the podcasting world. He's worked with some of the biggest brands on the most reputable shows. His name's Andrew Chug, and he joins me now all the way from Brooklyn, New York. Andrew, thanks for staying up late and joining me from the Big Apple. How are you today? I'm doing quite well. Thank you so much for asking. How are you? I'm doing very well as well. It's always great when we get a guest on from the other side of the world, and I love to make the most of it by asking you what's been happening in Brooklyn today. Well, it's a beautiful day. There was a, a nice bike ride to and from work. Uh, you know, our, our offices are now based in Brooklyn, so I can commute about five miles with only about three stoplights instead of about 45. <laughs> so that's been, uh, that's been quite nice. It must be a big change for you, having moved out of the Big Smoke and all the way over the Brooklyn Bridge. Are you enjoying the new scenery? Absolutely. It's uh, it's. It's different in the sense that now uh, I'm in an A downtown. <laughs> Before that, it was uh, West Village of Manhattan, which is which is quite calm. Lots of very small dogs. Um, we're sort of more in the hustle and bustle of Brooklyn, which is pretty exciting. I can tell you what else is exciting is the explosion of podcasting, and it's something that your journey has really evolved into, and now you're at the forefront of it. How did you actually get into podcasting in the first place? Well, I suppose, uh, like many podcast producers, you know, very early memories of you know, sitting in the back of uh, parents' cars, wondering why we were listening to uh, this incredibly boring <laughs> NPR-style uh, <laughs> radio. Um, and, you know, just yeah. this has been a dream of mine for a while. I sort of tested out the waters for various reasons in other uh, forms of media. Some of those skills carried over, uh, sound design being one of them. Uh, music composition being another. 
So the combination sort of led me to mm. where I am today, which is uh, as director of Panoply Custom Studios at Panoply. Tell us a bit about Panoply, because it's such a fascinating concept. And now that we're seeing more and more brands like GE, which we'll talk about in the latter part of the show, jumping on board the podcasting bandwagon, platforms like what you've got there really help them reach a broader audience. Yeah, so Panoply um, was, was started by our chief content officer, Andy Bowers, uh, just over a year ago, actually, believe it or not. Um, and he, what he was seeing was, you know, a lot of interest in podcasting that he hadn't, hadn't seen up until that point yet. Mm. You know, he's been making podcasts for over 10 years and, you know, just now it's sort of catching on. So he's, he's seen a lot of it and he, you know, in his words, he basically saw an opportunity to form a network rather than a form a, a competitive relationship with a lot of these other publishers who were getting into podcasting as well. So, you know, as part of uh, the Slate group, he started Panoply. Um, and we've got several incredible uh, publishers we work with, including Sports Illustrated, Vanity Fair, just to name a few. And, and that's not including the incredible brands we work with as well. And there's some fantastic brands amongst them. Again, we'll jump into them later on in the show. So the Slate magazine really was at the forefront initially of the whole umbrella of um, publishing uh, that you guys do. And then within that, just to be clear, you created Panoply as the as the audio or the podcasting network within that, that all the these brands are using to publish and amplify their own podcasts, which you're producing, right? Yeah, exactly. This is uh, Panoply is the audio arm of the Slate group, if you will. And for those that don't know, uh, Slate digital publisher, it's been around 20 years, uh, known for its um, uh, sometimes contentious points of view, but a, a great place to uh, learn about a different point of view and and be part of a, a larger culture cultural conversation than you might uh, normally be. And so the podcasts that you're creating, I know, um, have been quite, <laughs> not just contentious, but brilliant. There's been some great stories that you're telling, and you're not just doing interview styles, you're actually telling brand stories like GE's, um, which I know has been described by their CEO as not being advertising, is saying that it's really, you know, not something that they use to say, go out and buy a jet engine. It's more what he describes as a science fiction story to connect listeners with um, the GE brand and what it's all about. How do you start working with a brand on creating this kind of content? There's there's a lot of different ways that it comes in. I think, you know, the main way it comes in is somebody's uh, heard about the message, <laughs> our project with GE, and wants to replicate it. You know, I think, though, that more importantly, many of these brands are, are willing to take a risk. There's often a, as with any sort of uh, advertising, there's a set of often uh, disparate and oftentimes conflicting uh, goals, you know, through an RFP that we sort of have to take a look at and find where uh, we can have the most emotional impact or intellectual impact. Like, where is the emotion in here? And so we do quite a bit of research to, to figure out what that new thing is, and usually that that new thing is is an emotional angle. Because as Gary Vanderchuk once said, as I pointed out in the intro, if you're going to get into podcasting, you can't just have a great show, you have to actually dominate your space. And I'm sure that you must have a, a myriad of different clients coming to the fore where they all want to have some kind of um, uh, reach with their audience, but you really do need to find your niche, don't you? 
Absolutely. I, there's 325,000 podcasts, and I, I haven't done the math, but that's uh, several lifetimes uh, <laughs> of audio that, you know, most of it you'd probably want to sleep through. No offense to the, you know, the producers, <laughs> but it's like, it's tough when you don't have a visual crutch um, or there's no necessarily like outward social element to this you know you really have to rely on emotions and imagination and and things like that so i actually read a, an article on the ge podcast itself and i know you hired and i'm sure there was a lot more to it than this but you hired a writer an actor and you've got yourself producing it how many people were involved in that production at the core and is it paying off for that client? What's the benefit to them when they go out? I noticed you mentioned it as advertising, it's sponsored content, it's it's adding value. What was the investment um, in terms of the, I guess, the resources that went into a project like that and, and what's uh, come out of it? Well, that project at the time was unprecedented. There was, um, it was a client who was very open-minded, who wanted to make a big splash, who understood that that was the right time to do it. Internally, there was uh, a core, a core uh, group, and and this is keep in mind only probably six months after Panoply got started, so it was still very much uh, in the growth period. So there was a lot of uh, uh oh, um, this is a big client. How do we? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How do we? You know, make this as amazing as we all want it to be. So I really got to give a lot of credit to Andy Bowers, who who really was able to to speak about best practices in storytelling. Um, he's really passionate about uh, fiction. And I want to say, you know, between a showrunner, a couple producers, Andy, and, um, and the folks at the agency, you know, there was probably 10 people involved on the panoply side and plus the agency and plus the client, um, not to mention the cast, which was probably, I want to say, around mm. around 12. So it's a pretty big production. I mean, from a, from a content marketing perspective, that's a big play. And GE have been leading content marketing for over 100 years really yeah. um with in fact they were probably the first to actually get into content marketing with their magazine when they first launched so this is a, an obvious extension of their own content play and certainly as you said this is a huge huge project for you guys um and what we're going to get into in the second half of the show is going to be how we can really pull apart the basics of that particular production and then look at what our audience who are universities uh, small businesses are big brands but really have never taken the leap into podcasting and it, and it is a giant leap i can say from my own experience jumping into podcasting on a weekly show is really a commitment and once you get going just like anything in content marketing it's not something you want to retract so getting those steps in place and your ducks in a row so you can li literally jump into podcasting with uh, vigor and a plan going Going forward, But before we do, I want to uh, jump into a little segment I like to call the Mad Minute with you, Andrew, if you uh, would join me in the hot Absolutely. seat. And I have, I have ten questions, and um, I'm going to kick off with question one, which is, what's the best part about Brooklyn these days? Uh, brick buildings. What do you think about the New York Knicks and their recent acquisitions? Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> question three, what's one of the great podcasts that 
you're listening to at the moment? Uh, there's a podcast called Drink Champs <laughs> that I quite like. It's a hip-hop <laughs> podcast. Question four. You're heading to Iceland, I'm told, very soon. Why Iceland? Hiking. Sure, it'd be nice to get out of the big city, I'm sure, as well. Question five. Your favourite Aussie stop-offs in the Big Apple? Uh, five Leaves. It is beautiful there. Question six. What's the one thing you can't live without? Volvic water. Really? Really? <laughs> you can't drink tap water over there? I live in Greenpoint, which is an environmental wasteland. Question seven. The thing about US politics is? Cynical. Question eight. Content in 2016 should be? Audio-based. Question nine. The future of podcasting is? Extremely uh, bright, like a flashlight interrogation scene. And question ten. The most frustrating thing about podcasting is? Uh, the assumption that it's easy. <laughs> I can certainly vouch for that. Well, thanks for joining me on that little quick quiz. Now, let's get stuck into the practicalities of podcasting for our listeners. You've worked on GE. Obviously, that's one of the biggest brands out there, and I, I can see that that's been a huge project and one that's propelled you guys into the international um, realm when it comes to creating sponsored content in the podcasting world. Um, but what can you say for our listeners about getting started in podcasting? My biggest piece of advice um, is allow yourself some time. Um, what we have to do in podcasting much of the time is what I like to call uh, craft serendipity, which it means, you know, it works against your goal really to, to script. Of course, you can be prepared and do lots of pre-interviewing um, and that sort of thing, but it takes a little bit more time to get the content that you're looking for. I think mm. also, you know, be willing to take the advice of of listeners um, and respect listeners. We know that podcast listeners are intelligent, not just from um, our internal surveys, but surveys that have been uh, done by many folks. Um, mm. we, we know that they make some money. Um, we know that it's equally men and women. Um, we know a lot of things and so uh, respect your audience. Don't make assumptions uh, about their willingness to to recognize advertising and it is one of those plans that you need to put in place for a long time i was um listening to joe polizzi talk about a sponsored show which was a great podcast play but it was a six-week essentially campaign and how disappointing is it when you actually realize the penny drops that this is literally uh, an audio sponsored content piece that's only being put out over a six-week period of time and you build up an audience and then you just let it all go and to me that seems really crazy and I know the podcasts that I love and enjoy it is a journey and you kind of uh, evolve along with the podcast and you you hear how it develops and how um, I certainly can speak from the experience of this show you know what the focus and the lens of the show starts to evolve into um, and that is largely determined by the audience and what they're asking for and and certainly for us what we want to try and deliver to add value um, and hopefully we're doing that through this show um, so f once you've got that definitive plan laid out practically where do most podcasters start and where should they look to to try and um, create the podcast and then and then get it out there there's there's a number of uh resources out there uh, and this is per, on a personal level why i love pod podcasting it's it's uh it can be done uh with a smartphone it can be done it, uh, very very cheaply and i think that's that's what's so great about it it's a very uh 
democratic medium. Podcasts are free. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways in, um, but you want to be, you know, very mindful of of why you're doing it. Um, are you doing it to just have another piece of media that you that you want to push? Are you doing it to inflate your your own ego and to get your voice out into the world? Um, it's important to speak to one listener at a time and, and kind of be their guide through the listening process. And, and so with that, moving into production, you, you kind of want to think about length and, and sort of tolerance uh, of length and, and things of, of that nature. When you talk about amplification of your podcasts, and this is a big, big thing, um, as a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it doesn't make a sound, you can be bashing away at a podcast and have one of the greatest shows in the world. But if you don't have an audience, it's uh, pretty frustrating. So how do uh, podcasters find an audience and keep them? Building is uh, a little bit tougher than keeping. Uh, I've, I find that uh, once once you get to know the host, once you get to know the content, you know, it's, it's easy to keep an audience unless you really kind of... Uh, screw up. <laughs> I think, you know, building an audience for a podcast is is quite difficult. Of course, um, I'm very much focused on content and filling uh, gaps within the podcast space. But of course, there are other more uh, practical ways to build a podcast uh, audience. Uh, we know from listener surveys that uh, podcast listeners primarily hear about new podcasts through other podcasts. So part of what the Panoply Network does is promote um, other shows in our network via the network. So you may hear an advertisement for a, a custom podcast, a branded podcast on one of the editorial podcasts, because we know that these folks are listening to podcasts. We know that they listen to, uh, in fact, upwards of seven different podcasts per week on a regular basis. So that's one of the best ways to, to build a, uh, an audience. An another way, of course, is testing things out. We're, we're so early in this, but, you know, test we're testing out um, advertising within other networks. We're testing uh, off-site promotion towards uh, a landing page. We're testing autoplay functionality. Um, to see if, you know, we can get people mm. interested very quickly. We're testing all types of things, and some of them are, are massively successful and some are miserable fa failures. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're really learning a lot through that process. I, but I would say the key thing is uh, patience because it takes several episodes to get people interested from an emotional perspective let alone as part of a larger marketing plan. Hmm. Um, it, it takes about, I would say, six to ten episodes minimum just to get to know, you know, sort of the idiosyncrasies of, of the host or sort of like regular segments within the podcast. And I think your, uh, this, this podcast here is a good example of that. Um, if I'm sure if you surveyed your listeners, you know, by the sixth or seventh episode, they would really start to look forward to that 60 second hot seat. But I think, um, you know, patience is key and, and dedication is extremely key. Mm. That is a very, very good point and probably a great point to start to wind up on. Now, just before you do go, one of the great um, 
things about podcasting is the audience engagement. And that's a, a great thing that I love getting at the end of a show is the continued conversation, whether that be on Twitter or via our website or the blog or wherever. Um, we have so many different uh, portals for communication with our audience these days. Um, and I would encourage all our listeners to continue that conversation and certainly continue it with yourself. How do our listeners find you when they have some questions about Panoply, the Slate Group, or podcasting in general? Well, I must admit I'm pretty enigmatic when it comes to social media, um, but um, I can be I can be reached uh, through Panoply.fm, and mm-hmm. um, that's that's the quickest way to reach me. Well, it's a fantastic uh, business model that you guys have built. And I know that from experience over here, and certainly from what our clients are telling us, podcasting is certainly on the agenda for the next financial year. And it's something that I know we'll be looking to amplify through uh, organizations and publishers like the Slate Group and others here in Australia as well. So it's a really exciting area and one that I know will continue to go from strength to strength in the months ahead. And we look forward to uh, seeing how your journey unfolds in the next financial year. Thanks again so much for joining me, Andrew. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me.